Talk about it with me. Strange brain, same page, safe place. Therapy is great and this ain't the same. But we're crying behind sunglasses anyway. Crying behind sunglasses. Heyo, welcome back to Crying Behind Sunglasses. I am Katie Dahl and this is a mental health podcast for cool and woke and funky and maybe damaged people. Uh, welcome to the club. If you're new here, just uh, pull out a beanbag. Come stay a while. I hope that you loved our intro song. It's, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this enough on the podcast, but Janine Hogan is the beatboxer and rapper that I commissioned that song from. And I feel like she just did a, uh, I'm going to do chef kits here. Just a beautiful job. So thanks for that, Janine. Anyway, uh, today's show... I am interviewing Janine Bernstein. She's a radio host, author, and voiceover actress. We're going to get to that in a minute. So I'm really excited for you all to hear that. Her attitude is just so insanely positive and exactly what I want to hear right now. But uh, a little disclaimer slash trigger warning slash trailer. I've noticed that I'm giving trigger warnings at the beginning of every single episode because this is such, uh, this is a mental health podcast and people who are listening are, of course, more sensitive than the average bear. So I just want to make sure to take care of all of you, to hold your hand through this process as we get to know each other and we learn about mental illness and mental health and we also learn to laugh about it. So yes, trigger warning slash trailer for anxiety, eating disorders, police brutality, and racism. So we recorded this episode just a few days after the George Floyd and Black Lives Matter protests began. And so since then, I've been educating myself on systemic racism and will continue to do so. I've been donating. I attended a peaceful protest in NoHo and I witnessed the most beautiful coming together of people from all races and all backgrounds and I was able to see that this movement is really not only necessary, but it is a beautiful evolution of the next step of our society. And to those of you who might say, this is a mental health podcast, Katie, why do you keep talking about Black Lives Matter? I will say to you that systemic racism affects every single aspect of everyone's daily lives in America. So why wouldn't that affect our mental health? It affects Black people's mental health. No matter what they do, they don't get to forget about the color of their skin because of the way they're treated. But it also affects the mental health of white people or people of all different races. So that is something that is not going away. I am educating myself. I'm going to continue to do that. And I'm going to continue to hold space for black people to express themselves in this podcast. It's something I'm very passionate about and I will continue to be on top of. So don't worry, I got you. Listen, this is still going to be funny. We're still going to talk about mental health. I want to talk to people about their personal issues, figure out what shit they got going on so that we can relate to them because we all have our weird shit, right? But I also want to make sure that we acknowledge what's going on in the world. 
We're not creating this podcast or any form of art in a vacuum. You create things so that they can have an impact and so that we can be a part of a larger cultural conversation. So anyway, without getting too pedantic, I really, really want to get to this episode. I want y'all to listen to what Janine has to say. But before we can get there, we just have a little bit of uh, housekeeping, a little bit of business to attend to. So this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for therapy or medical advice. I am not a doctor. I'm just a person who's very passionate about mental health. So if you actually have a problem, you can check out our resources on our website, cryingbehindpod.com, or just dial 911. You know, that's a good idea too. Uh, we have a private support group on Facebook, facebook.com slash group slash cryingbehindpod, Instagram, Twitter, at cryingbehindpod, and our website, which I already mentioned, uh, it has episode guides. And it also has links to Black Lives Matter-related nonprofits, Black mental health resources, regular mental health resources, and just links to things that I might find funny or interesting. You might find some interesting, I don't know. I don't know what you're going to find on there, honestly. Just go click. Anyway, it doesn't <laughs> I love how I said I was going to make this intro shorter and then I made it longer. I'm so sorry. Okay, we are going to get to the interview now. Thanks for being here. Today, I'm really excited to talk to Janine Bernstein. She reached out to me and we became internet friends. She is the host of Get the Funk Out, which is on KUCI 88.9. If you are in Southern California, specifically in Irvine, it is every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific time. And you can also check it out online at KUCI.org. She also has a book titled, the same title actually, but it's Get the Funk Out, Shit Happens, What to Do Next. You can find that book on Audible and on Amazon. And her whole book and her show, I felt like we're very aligned with what I'm trying to do here because she is all about creating resilience and strength through life's curveballs and learning how to get through challenging times by using self-care and learning how to make your mental, physical, and emotional health a priority. So anyway, without further ado, welcome, Janine. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yes. Thank you for being here. Um, how are you feeling? How am I feeling? You yes. know, some days I'm so bummed out. You know, some days I'm doing okay. You know, it. for me, like if I get up every morning and I go for a walk, things are things are manageable. They're good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have a dog and I, I like to, whenever I go on a walk with her, I feel like it helps me to clear my head as well. So definitely. I understand yeah. that. Um, how big How big is your dog? Tiny. She's okay. a little eight pound terrier. Two pounds. So it's like she's taking me for a walk. <laughs> Wait, yeah. how many pounds? 52. Oh, what kind of dog? A golden doodle. A gold. Oh, I know. What's her name? Piper. Piper. Sorry. I, this, this this podcast often devolves into being a dog, po dog podcast. I've just accepted it. <laughs> I, I feel like dog people are the best people. I was never a dog person. Really? Ever. No. I'm, I'm, my parents had Great Danes and I just, I wanted to ride them like little horses and they were huge. And I, but I could not get over my fear of dogs until a couple of years ago, we got Piper as a puppy. Um, my daughter was going through some of her own stuff, um, anxiety and depression, and I agreed to get the dog and it actually has been good for me. 
Wow. Yeah. So that was a surprise for you. It was a total surprise. And, you know, getting up early, taking the dog out, you know, learning to just let, let yourself go and not care about certain things that didn't matter and just mm-hmm. hang with the dog. And it's, it's been great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, and was the main reason that you got the dog was for your daughter or yes. Yes. she was pushing for it? <laughs> she really wanted it. And um, she was going through some like a tough time in her own life. And she said, you know, I really feel like the dog, of course, it was a very cute sales pitch. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Um, You know, I really think the dog would help me. And and I I think having a dog has helped her um, because our dog will be very scared if the doorbell rings or anything. And you hear this loud barking and you're thinking, I'm not going in that house. But she's just a big puppy. She's only two. Yeah. 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 I mean, but it's, it's very healing. Uh, there's a lot of studies out there uh, where it, the, just even being around a dog, petting them, it'll lower your blood pressure and definitely help with any sort of anxiety that you have. I have, um, my dog's an emotional support animal, even though she's just a little tiny nugget, you know, Mm -hmm. it's nice to have that. It's so (laughs) Um, nice. I love it. Yeah. So tell me more about I feel like because we've we're going we're living through a really hard time right now collectively as a society mm-hmm. whether it's dealing with isolation and now also with um all of the um protests that have been going on which obviously everybody should be speaking out but it's bringing up a lot for people a lot of right. feelings that they may not have had to address before and uh I know even just for myself it's it's anxiety inducing because you feel like even if you're on the side of wanting to be an accident activist, I feel like I'm never doing enough. I feel right. uh, like, oh, maybe my work doesn't even matter anymore because <laughs> it because right. I'm not doing enough. I'm not signing enough petitions. I'm not donating enough. Sure. Um, and I feel like on your show, how 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 are you addressing that, or where are you coming from with that? Well, I, as you know, I grew up in New York City, so mm-hmm. I don't understand racist behavior. Honestly, mm-hmm. the first person to kiss me when I was in first grade, he was African-American. And I remember coming home to my mom and telling her and she was like, oh, and I'm thinking, what's the big deal? I was a kiss on my cheek and this boy was so sweet. His name was Rodney. And I really feel like kids learn hatred. They learn to be racist. They learn to have these negative feelings. And I never had those feelings mm. because growing up in New York, especially this school, I was the minority. And and I just, that's one thing I love about city life is a whole mix of people. I think it's so sad what's going on. It, that's an understatement because there are so many people that are hurting. There are so many people like myself that are waking up going, oh my God, look at what African-American people go through. It's yes. not just, you know, the death of George Floyd just open up an avalanche of emotion and people having a reality slap that, Hey, this isn't just George. It's a whole bunch of people that you might never have heard of. You really, we need to pay attention more. And so, I mean, I've always had a diverse range of people come on my show because that's how I am. And I, I love just showing all different opinions and viewpoints. And I think no matter what you do, you need to be open to everybody's viewpoint 
especially what it feels like to be African-American right now, because don't you feel like you've had this new awareness? Like, I don't, I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing. Especially Absolutely. I mean, yeah. listen, it, let's be real. We're two Jewish women trying to, you know, <laughs> that are that are white right. or white passing or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so neither of us could ever pretend to actually know what it's like. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But I think the main thing is that, uh, like you said, you uphold these diverse voices and you listen. Yes. And you just yeah. you just amplify whatever it is that they have to say about their experience. Um and take it in and then take action. I mean, I feel like that's the best um, we can do. But I think for me, the thing that I've been trying to remind myself is that um, I've always, I've been similar to you. I've always held up people that are diverse in my life. And when I was hosting comedy shows, I always made sure to book all people from all races, all colors. Um, And also that like, it's not up to me personally, by myself to undo 400 years of systemic sure. racism. Like this is a team effort. Yes. So as long as right. I am taking some sort of action and I'm encouraging others to do the same, mm-hmm. um, I can feel I can feel good about that instead right. of trying to focus on like, oh my God, we have to fix everything today. We can, exactly. It's not possible. Impossible. Right. Right. <laughs> so that's what I've been try- trying to do, and also just uh, just listening a lot of a lot of listening and being there for for my black friends. I think yes. that's uh, been important for me lately. So I just wanted to address that because obviously, well, as we're recording this, uh, the protests have been going on this week. So uh, I didn't want to uh, come on here and pretend that that's not. Oh, happening. I know. I, I told you <laughs> so. I went to a peaceful rally here in Orange County. Yes. Uh, my daughter's idea. Um, I was in the middle of work. She's like, she texts me. She's like, can we go to this? I said, absolutely. It was um, two days ago. And it was, it was tremendous. There were hundreds and hundreds of people. It was so, so beautiful. And at one point we had a moment of silence that must've been like 10 minutes, all of us on our knees, signs. That is so beautiful. And what a great experience to share with your daughter and show her the importance of speaking up. Uh, I just wanted to mention this because I think I said it in the beginning of the episode, but in case any of our listeners want to find resources uh, on cryingbehindpod.com, we actually have a lot of resources for Black mental health as well as ways that you can donate or get involved with Black Lives Matter. So anyway, uh, I can't really figure out a good way to segue this, but I want to talk more about you because you're here today. And I feel like in a way you're almost like the older version of me because <laughs> we come from similar <laughs> backgrounds and like you're into uh, acting and voiceover and you're uh, mm-hmm. very similar to what I've gone through where I found the arts to be such a beautiful outlet and a way to forget about the tough things in my life. I'd love to hear more about how, how that happened for you. Like what, when you first got into acting, how old were you and, and what was that experience like? Um, mm-hmm. I was in my late twenties and I was living in Boston and I had actually met an older actress at a Syracuse alumni luncheon. And I almost didn't go to the luncheon because it was boring. It was at the four seasons and and my dad's like, oh, I signed you up for this. You need to go. And I'm like, uh. So I show up. I meet this older actress. I think she's probably in her late 70s at the time. We're going around the table and I'm, 
I have to introduce myself. What do I do? And at the time I was working in training and development and I was really bored and I wanted to shift into something else. And she told me she was an actress, but also she focuses on voice acting. And I said, you know, that always interested me. How did you get involved in that? And she told me, she says, sweetheart, if you don't like what you do in life, you should switch gears. You know, you're young, switch directions. She says, you know what? She scribbles down the name of her acting teacher on a little napkin. Call her today. And you know what? You have to call me after and tell me (laughs) that you called her. (laughs) And I did. And I signed up and I, at first I was very nervous. And I remember the teacher grabbed somebody out of the class and said, she whispered in her ear and the woman says, oh, I can't do that. And the woman and the teacher says, yes, you can. And the next thing I know, this woman, this older woman was skipping around the room, swearing while reading a Clorox commercial. And it was the funniest thing. And I thought, wow, that's how you get out of your shell. That's how you, you know, stop being so self-conscious by laughing, by being silly in yourself. And that teacher really helped me a lot. And it kind of gave me a springboard into like doing animation classes and other things. And, and then on camera. Um, yeah. So uh-huh. it was really helpful. Yeah. I feel like it's, it is good to have those experiences. I had, I had similar experiences at NYU where uh, we had to imitate different kinds of animals, roll around on the floor, mm-hmm. just completely get outside of yourself and get over any sort of self-conscious feelings you might have. So uh, what were you doing before that as for work? Um, I was an instructional designer, which most people have no idea what that is. I was, um, I studied the theories of how we learn. And ironically, I was a terrible student growing up. So I would um, design training. At first, it was for like Chase Manhattan Bank. I was designing like workshops and different things, but it was too it was too boring for me. I needed something more creative. So they asked me if I wanted to design a game for a Canadian bank. And I did like a Jeopardy game and I flew to Canada and I ran this pilot. And I just realized like, I just need to do things that are more creative and not on paper. And so I ended up actually losing my job. Um, uh, This was like 1990. And I just became a freelancer. And after a while, I uh, decided to go back to grad school. Because I was just having a really hard time kind of figuring out what my next direction was. And and I was single and I just, I wasn't so happy. I actually thought I'll just get out of Boston. But I took two classes at BU and I really liked it. One was um, qualitative research, which is really like looking for themes in, in um, observations or conversations. Like when you do radio mm-hmm. and you ask somebody a question and you see that that answer pops up in all 10 conversations, there's a theme. Um, Or you come up with an idea and you run it by all 10 guests to see if they agree, you know, and it's just, it just opens up your mind to not judging people based on like, if you see somebody um, walking down the street hobbling and you don't, you don't say, Oh, they're, they're drunk. They're smashed. Maybe they're, they have a physical issue. So it teaches you how to be in a better listener, a better observer of life. Yeah. If if someone wanted to look into that uh, qualitative research, like where would be a good place to start? Well, just Google it because there might even be like a Coursera course for all I know, but that was my very first class. And we actually had to go into an elevator and observe people. 
Like, yeah. you know how everybody faces the buttons and they mm-hmm. look up? We had to turn around and face everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. And yeah. I could imagine the people inside the elevator had no idea what you were doing. They were like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> Did you get weird reactions from them? Completely. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think, but observing people, it's very important. And uh, yeah, as an actor, I feel like a big lesson I learned was that you can't judge people because if you, if you judge people, right. then you're never going to be able to embody a, a, a human as a character. Yes. Because you block yourself off. You're, you're, you're turning that person into an other, right? right? Right. Versus trying to understand, like you're saying, if someone's hobbling down the street, that uh, you don't immediately understand why. Right. And it's better to kind of be open-minded and ask questions mm-hmm. and be curious about the human condition, yeah. uh, which for me, I think uh, I, is why I'm so into psychology, just because it uh, it is fascinating. And there's... Uh, Every single person has a different story and a different reason why they are the way they are, whether that's nature, nurture, yes. combo of both. Yeah. Uh, and I, I guess what I'm, what for me, as far as dealing with anxiety and stuff, I, I know that some of it is maybe a chemical imbalance, and then some of it is just upbringing or things that are happening in the world. It's hard to parse right. it out. For you, did you have a time where you finally realize like, oh, this is a problem for me. I, I need to address it. Yes. Yeah. I was really insecure growing up. I had an issue with food, uh, too much dieting. I had a terrible relationship with my mother. Um, and I ended up moving in with my dad at 16. She actually kicked me out right mm. in the middle of finals. We had just had a terrible relationship. I realized I was so insecure. Like I needed to like rebuild my life as a student, as a person. And I did that by finally opening up and telling people like, I need help, especially my teachers, um, just saying, you know, I'm lost. My dad kept saying, did you ask for help? No. And I was failing. I D's, F's. And finally, like having the confidence to say, I'm lost. Like, I really need help. Just applied to all different aspects of my life. And then sports, like mo- physically moving my body and, and, going for things like lacrosse team, basketball, even if I was lousy, I would just go for it. And I take these things, these experiences, and I apply it to my adult life. Because Mm -hmm. it's, you know, being physically active to me doesn't mean you have to go run five miles every morning. But just even if you're just taking a walk, especially right now with all the stuff that's going on. um, One thing you you just said, and I wanted to add to this. I led a science of happiness panel and Mm. I have a chapter in my book about the science of happiness. So happiness is influenced by three things, your genetics, which you can't control, right? Outside influences, which you can't control life circumstances, right? What we're living through now, but you can control to some degree, your thoughts and behaviors, right? Right. So you can do things like pick up a guitar, take a walk, have your favorite food, talk to friends that can boost that happiness because there's things that we might have genetically or an imbalance that you can't really control sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's right? powerful. I th- it is true. Yeah. Um, you, yeah. 
you can't control what other people do. You can't change your body chemistry, but you can, if you're aware of it, you can Mm -hmm. change your thoughts and say, no, you know what? I don't want to go on a negative spiral today. I'm going to go eat ice cream instead, or I'm going to go for a walk instead, or you know what? I'm going to put on my favorite show and I'm going to, I'm going to really allow myself to enjoy that. Exactly. Um, Easier said than done sometimes if you're kind of stuck, but (laughs) it is nice to know that what you're saying is kind of, you know, happiness can be a choice. Yes, it can be. But you also have to recognize the things you can't control and don't beat yourself up. Mm -hmm. Um, But one thing, I don't know about you, but I had an issue with certain foods bothering me without me even knowing when I was little, like, I had eczema and I didn't know I had a dairy allergy and I was allergic to eggs. Oh, I didn't we know. are the same. I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs> yeah, me too. But yeah. growing up, I'm sure you had plenty of milkshakes and yep. fast food. And so I was super depressed as a kid and I would eat all this stuff and I didn't know that that was contributing. And then as you get older, you kind of do this elimination thing and you figure out like, oh, yeah, when I ate that, I woke up with this rash in my arm or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Oh, yes. Well, for me, the lactose intolerance, uh, I used to eat a an entire bowl of Haagen-Dazs coffee ice cream Ooh. every night before bed. Uh, and Great. I used to have like a <laughs> glass of whole milk with breakfast, like full on. And it didn't really bother my stomach at the time okay. until... Uh, I guess, yeah, my last year of college, uh, it, it started affecting me in college. I started not being able to have milk or this mm-hmm. or that, but I was like, mm, I'm going to, I can have a little cheese here and there or whatever. Sure. And I remember there was very distinctly, there was one day that uh, my really good friend Nikki had made me a milkshake and I woke up the next day feeling like someone had thrown an atom bomb in my stomach yeah. and I couldn't go to class. I couldn't do anything. And it's interesting I've never thought of the idea of that being correlated with mental health. So I'm going to have to look into that because I had, I don't know, maybe that's. Well, well think about it. it. Like if you eat something that feels toxic to your body, you don't feel right. good. Right. Right. So for me, like when I was 23, I finally stopped eating McDonald's. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I don't feel well. And this is kind of dragging my energy down. And like, for me, if I eat the right things, I have more energy. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I can yeah. definitely co-sign on like, oh, anytime I'm eating fresh vegetables and right. proteins and and not uh, any sort of like junk, quote mm-hmm. unquote, junk food, uh, yeah. that I do feel good. So much better? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I've never been much of a fast food person anyway, but yeah, I can I can definitely get that. And I feel like I, uh, I don't like to label foods as good or bad because uh, – I do like to indulge sometimes in chocolate <laughs> or sometimes you really just need to go to the drive through as right. like a, fuck yeah. it. I've had a bad day. I deserve exactly. it. But no, chocolate, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, chocolate, dark chocolate is, is anti-aging too, right? Yes. yes. So that's all I'm doing. I'm that's 102 I and I eat chocolate every day. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know people are always like, oh, Katie, your, your skin's so nice. I'm like, yep. Just a lot of yoga and red wine mm-hmm. and chocolate. And chocolate. And that's all you eat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah, the the science of happiness. I have, I'm going to definitely put that in the show notes for people because 
uh, I've seen that some people will think of happiness as this intangible thing, right? Or you'll look at other people, and I've done this before, I'm like, oh, the only reason that they're happy is because they have less problems than I do. Or the only reason they're happy is because they're too dumb to know how bad the world is, right? Like these are, <laughs> these are terrible. Well, that one's kind of true. <laughs> well, it, it might be ignorance yeah. is bliss, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think it's nice to reframe it and take the power back and say, no, you know what? I can choose to be happy, and happiness is not just for people who are yeah. ignorant or people who have less problems than me, because. Who am I to assume how many problems someone has? No one knows that unless I'm their therapist. Maybe (laughs) I might know. Uh, Right. 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 So it's it's nice to take that power back. uh, And if I I can interject one thing, though, please. So um, I've been sharing this on some talks I've been giving because I've been talking to like college kids and um, my high school in Connecticut and just a wide, wide variety. And there's these four things that I talk about. And I came up with this thing, GTFO, which as we know what that usually means, but here's what it means to me. So mm-hmm. get the funk out, GTFO. So if you think about the ways to build resistance, uh, resilience and to work on your mental, physical, and emotional health, I tap into these things. Gratitude. So having gratitude, writing a letter to someone, calling someone, especially now. I mean, we're all sitting in our stuff. We're sitting and we're thinking more than ever. And we can't see certain people that we might have had conflict with or we really miss somebody. So having gratitude and appreciation for maybe somebody that had an impact on your life. Um, The T is thoughtfulness for yourself, like really dialing into how am I going to take the best care of myself? And also thoughtfulness for others. So acts of kindness, your neighbor, a relative, a friend, you know, checking in on them. Mm -hmm. Flow. Do you play an instrument? I do. I play guitar. Okay. So do I. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, that feeling when you're in that zone and two hours has gone by. Yeah. Okay. That's your flow. Like you're working on maybe you're, Trying, I don't know how good you are, but if you're like me, if you're learning a song and you're, you, it's challenging, but it's not too challenging. And that state of flow, that's in the field of positive psychology. It makes you feel so amazing. So you could be a painter, a musician, anything. Yeah. And I think I experience that more when I'm writing. uh, Yeah. Because I I write a lot in my journal, I write poetry, I write scripts. And uh, if I am able to, I kind of think of it as the flow state, the way that I think of it is that I'm channeling. Yeah. Somehow I have tapped into the universe, God, whoever you want to call it. Right. And I am no longer worried about my problems. I am channeling some other thing into creativity and it just feels, um, yeah, it's that flow. Like it, you left it, it the room. Very relaxing and very. Like, like you good. left the room, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or like, or the, not, the, I don't know if I left the room, but like mentally, whoever was, yeah, whoever was stressing me out left the room. <laughs> okay. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is an amazing thing. And some people don't experience flow. Yeah. You know? And then the last one is optimism. So mm-hmm. doing things that are going to build optimism in your life and positivity. And sometimes that's just, I've 
had friends that are, this one woman lived to be a hundred years old. We knew her since she was like 93. When you go spend time with somebody that's like so positive and they're in their nineties, that's crazy. I mean, you kind of forget all your stuff and you're like, that wasn't such a big deal, you know? Yes. So who, who in your life, uh, do you think embodies that? The optimism? Yeah, because you were talking about seeing someone who's older than you. Oh, yeah. Has a different attitude. Yeah. I didn't know if you had a person in mind. Oh, I do. I do. There's a woman in my book, Jackie Krischer. Uh-huh. She was uh, featured in a film. Uh, there was a student. Uh, her name is Claire and Imler, and she is a filmmaker from Chapman. She went to Chapman. She featured Jackie Krischer, who was in her 80s at the time. And so I asked Jackie to be in my book, and Jackie told me that in her 70s, she was married. And she said to her husband, you know, I really want to get in better shape. I feel like I'm putting on weight. And I don't think she's even, I think she's like four foot eight. She's, um, she's from Paris. She's adorable. So unfortunately he passed away and he, he didn't really approve of her working out. So he passed away, unfortunately, but she went on to learn to swim, um, signed up for all this uh, personal training and became a triathlete in her 80s. Wow. And I'm like, you are a rock star. And then she said she was tri- training to hike Mount Kilimanjaro. And, and she, so is she still around or is she? Yeah, she's still okay. around. Yeah. And she, and she's training to hike Mount Kilimanjaro, Mount Kilimanjaro yeah. right now, which I could never do. <laughs> well, let's never say never. I think that I think that Jackie has proven that if right? if there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> she's incredible, and she's so sweet and so positive. And she just was doing her CrossFit and telling me all these stories, and you know. And I think, wow, you know, some days I'll I'll feel old, and then other days I'm like, I talk to Jackie, I'm like, there's so much life to live, and she's yes. so positive, and we're like. Yeah, I think I have a similar feeling about my grandma. Um, uh, I call her Nama, but uh, she is now, um, sorry, Nama, for saying your age on my podcast. It's fine. She's gorgeous. Um, I think 91. And uh, she doesn't, she still has men in their 60s that hit on her because she looks that good. Mm -hmm. She's blonde and fabulous and whatever. But beyond her looks, her spirit is really what shines through for me. Right. She's healthy. She's vital. She walks her dog all over the place three times a day. She wears leopard print and sequins. She always has her nails, some bright sparkly color. And she has friends from all walks of life, all ages. Mm -hmm. Actually, this is a funny story. I remember I was outside of a show in LA, like a comedy show. I was waiting in line uh, at this very hip venue called Dynasty Typewriter. Uh, and I was there and this random girl who's around my age, maybe a little older, she's in her thirties, just runs up to me. I've never seen her in my life. She goes, are you Sally's granddaughter? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yes. How do you know her? (laughs) Oh, well, uh, cause my, my grandma lives in San Diego now. And, uh, this woman, I guess moved up here from San Diego. She's like, oh yeah, yeah, your grandma and I are buddies. And she would help me with my, um, my accounting for my small business. And she's just a hoot. And she used to show me pictures of you. And it's just, 
to me, what really stood out about that was one, how uh, my grandma seems to make friends everywhere she goes, but also that uh, uh, someone who is 60 years younger than her has a genuine friendship with her. I love it. And there's, you know, there's just, yeah, life doesn't stop uh, when, if, if you, if your husband passes away, you know, I mean, right. my, my papa passed away when I was about 13, 14, and we were all really worried, but she just turned it around and kind mm-hmm. of decided, oh, I'm going to live my life and have a full, vibrant life yeah. on my own. And that's, that's awesome. I, I would say she's probably my idol. Not probably. She's definitely my idol as far as how I want to feel and like how fulfilled I want to be mm-hmm. and how healthy I want to be. Uh, at that age or yeah. really at any age but Good role model for people yeah because I think a lot of times you'll look at role models and you think about their external success like mm-hmm. oh I want to be like this person because they made this much money right or that kind of thing but it's when you can look at someone and think about their spirit yes uh, it can bring you back to that optimism that right. you were talking about yeah I know that spirit you see in older people is incredible mm-hmm yeah and if only we can, we could maybe get there without having to live that long. <laughs> right? Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> I guess finally, once you get to that point, it's like, you're just tired. Like you're too, you're too tired to be pessimistic. It's like, you've done that true. already. It's, it's true. You've, yeah. you've already been there. Yeah. It, it takes, it takes so much energy to work yourself up into these negative thoughts and maybe you just exactly. finally relax. Yeah. It's too exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> I am tired. I don't, I, I do not have time. <laughs> um, so something else I wanted to bring up with you uh, while I still have you mm-hmm. is um, you told me about this attitude that you have of uh, letting it rip. And that when you got into voiceover, you just thought, I'm going to let it rip. Right. What, what does that mean to you? Um. So, you know, I look at when you, when you book, you get an audition, mm-hmm. it's really hard. The probability of getting auditions is really hard. And yes, there's negative self-talk and there's jitters and all that. But I remember getting into a voiceover booth with this casting director and I had just met him. He's really, really nice. Mark Cashman. Mm-hmm. And I was, it was the size of a phone booth. And I, I just thought, I'm just going to give this. 150 freaking percent. I'm just going to let it rip. And because I had to, um, it was like a, I forget a financial services commercial, but I had to go into character. And I remember um, I had to be like a cheerleader. He was telling me like, you're going to, you're going to amp your voice up and you're going to be like a cheerleader raising your voice. You're standing on a street corner and you're yelling the features and benefits of whatever. And he's like, you got it? I said, okay. And I just went in there and blocked out everybody I could see staring in. And I just went for it and I booked it. And I I just, you just go bonkers because what's the worst? They got to tone it down, you know? <laughs> right? Yeah. And so I just, I just gave it like turbo mode. And I realized like, do not care what anybody, don't look at anybody else out there. Just go inside yourself and imagine the character and hit it out of the park. Just mm-hmm. give it everything. Cause this is your moment, you know? 
Yeah. And why would you give that moment to other people? They're not there in the room with you. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I have a similar attitude, uh, but mine is is less uh, PG. I just say, fuck it, you know? And, And for me, the fuck it attitude is kind of like, I tend to be a perfectionist. I tend to be hard on myself. And if I say that to myself, then I can say, you know what? Fuck it. I know the rules. Yeah. Now it's time to play. Now yeah. it's time to have fun. Right. Because like people don't want to listen to me or watch me unless I have some sort of joy mm-hmm. in what I'm doing. Right. And you want to share right. that joy. And if I'm up there torturing myself, people people will feel that. Definitely. And they'll feel your tension and your nerves. And and if you've put in, and I'm sure you have lots of hours on classes and improv and et cetera, et cetera. When you get to that audition, you've already, you've done so much work. You've done your prep work. It's like being an athlete. You've worked Mm -hmm. out, you know, you're ready to go. Yeah. And just trusting that. Yeah. It's, it's really, there's a lot of trusting yourself that is so important and something that kids have that somehow we unlearn. I know. Through the process of life. Terrible. Because you see kids, they're just like, I'm going to be naked and run around the house. I'm going to color on the wall. Oh, I'm going to do this weird voice because I feel like it. Mm-hmm. You know? And then as adults, oh, no, you got to follow the rules. You got to do this. You got to do that. Right. Oh, that way that you did that is not good. Right. You, not good enough. And, and you don't want to look stupid. You don't want to look, God forbid you look stupid. Yeah. Right. Uh, oh, that's a fate worse than death. Right. And Ridiculous. Unlearning that is, is. Yeah. Difficult, but very important. Uh, so, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad I asked you that because I think, I think people listening out there, a, a lot of uh, the audience, at least to begin with, most of my friends are either in the comedy world or acting or things like that. And um, to hear your experience of how you're able to block out the outside world and just let right. it rip, it's really beautiful. It's, it's so important because I still, you know, we're our own worst critic mm-hmm. and, you know, I'll still go into something and I'll think, oh, and, and, and the second you start comparing yourself to people in the casting office, forget it. Oh, Kiss yeah. Death, no. You know? I mean, yeah, you can't. Uh, it's interesting because it's like, it's, you never win at that game. No. Sometimes I would go into an audition and every girl looks like me and then it's like, okay, am I the best looking version of me today? <laughs> or I go in there and then there's a million girls that, of every size and shape and color and I'm like, well, they just don't know what they're looking for. I might as well. You know, and it's like, you can't, no. you cannot win. No, the only can. thing you can do and actually some really good advice that I got before I booked a commercial last summer, right before I did from the woman that I was reading with as my partner. Okay. Uh, she, God, I'm not remembering her name. I will, I will remember it and put it in the show notes because she's amazing and she does a lot of commercials. But uh, I remember I was in a room with people who every size and shape and age and everything. And I, I was a callback and I talked to her and said, wow, they, they really don't know what they're looking for. There's just every kind of person. She goes, you know what? They brought you in for a reason. You, They called you back for a reason. The only thing I worry about is that I know why I'm funny. I know my unique, weird thing that I bring to the mm-hmm. table. And I just do that. Yeah. That's good. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. That makes sense. And it's so easy to forget that when you get caught up. Right. 
and comparing yourself and instead sure. just saying, okay, yeah, maybe I am a unique and special snowflake. <laughs> maybe that's okay. Uh, yeah. So um, we're getting close to the end of the show and I just okay. wanted to ask you one more thing. I have a, a fun segment that I was telling you about kind of called hot tips, hot tips, hot tips, hot tips. I would love to know from you when Janine has a bad day, when Janine has, I don't know, you had a, you, you thought you were going to have a great show, didn't go the way you planned, or uh, maybe the dog shat the rug, or I don't know, any sort of thing that might make <laughs> you in a bad mood. Uh, how do you get yourself out of that? Is there some sort of music or food or uh, book or something that, that, changes your mood? It's definitely music and moving, moving my body. So throwing some music on and going for like an hour walk and not taking any calls, not talking to getting on the phone with anybody and just kind of processing things. And then as you're walking, you just start to feel better, you know, or you yes. start to notice things. Um, and it could be the simplest thing like, Oh, this sounds so lame, but Look at the little baby ducks, you know? I mean, it could be anything, right? It's not lame. I'm very big on ducks. Okay. Very pro-duck over here. Pro-duck? You know, actually, this is so funny. It's so weird that you brought up ducks. I had, when I watch ducks, I find it to be very calming, the way that they swim along. So cute. And I... I had this moment once when I was I was acting in my my first like feature that I had a big role in and it was on location and I was um having a hard time just like just being an actor because I I've also written things and directed things and done other things and when I'm on set and I'm just an actor what a privilege to only get to do that right but I was kind of struggling with it and I remember sitting there and watching the ducks and I was like wow the duck is just being a duck that is all the duck is doing. Good the duck analogy. is not trying to be a bird, a different kind of bird that's flying mm-hmm. up in the sky. The duck is not trying to be a fish. The duck is just very happily cruising along being a duck. Yes. So be a duck, <laughs> Being a duck. So I think about that a lot. And uh, yeah. that's really special. Um, well, cool. Do you, do you have any last words for um, my uh, listeners at Crying Behind Sunglasses before we go? You know, I have this mantra I came up with based on going through my own pile of crappy times. Um, yeah. And it is sometimes the worst thing that happens to you can turn out to be the best thing that ever happened. So you might be in this lousy relationship and you're miserable and then you finally get the courage to end it. And you realize, wow, I spent all that time agonizing and there's a whole world out there, you know, waiting for me to, and I can be happier or you lose that job that you thought was so great, but maybe it's not because maybe it's time for you to start a new venture. Like right now, so many people are out of work. Yeah. Right. Um, and just look at life as we're going to go through this stuff, but just taking really good care of yourself is what matters most right now. That's beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Janine. And if anybody wants to find you on social media, um, I'm going to put it in the notes, but if you just want to shout out uh, as far as like what your handles are. Okay. That would be great. Well, they won't be able to spell my name, but it's on Instagram, (laughs) Janine Bernstein, J-A-N-E-A-N-E Bernstein and uh, Moms Rock on Twitter, Moms underscore Rock. I used to have a show, Moms Rock the House. Um, And where else? I'm on LinkedIn. 
Facebook. You're everywhere. And, yeah. And and then people can always tune into your show Mondays at 9 a.m. Right. Get the funk out on yes. uh, KUCI or yes. KUCI.org. Uh, great. Well, thank you so much, Janine. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. I feel like just, wow. You know what, Sonny's Janine is the perfect nurturing, kind, smart, and hip and funny presence that we all need in our lives right now. So I'm glad that she came on the show. And we didn't get to talk about this during uh, the episode. So I just wanted to share with you that Janine has a free series called Outside the Box on her website. So for those of you who are in the entertainment industry who are like me, trying to figure out like, how the hell are we supposed to continue or make money or survive during these uncertain times, she has this series where she talks to industry experts about the state of our economy. She teaches you the tools that you'll need to start working remotely or even to pivot to a new venture. So you can check that out along with her book, her radio show, and tons of other resources on JanineBernstein.com. And then as always, you can find the episode guide for this episode, which will point you to all kinds of resources or books or anything else we chatted about. That'll be on cryingbehindpod.com. And you can tweet or Insta us at cryingbehindpod. I've been your host, Katie Dahl, and we'll continue to be that person, you know, for a while. So (laughs) please subscribe, review, rate, or share this with a friend who might enjoy it. Or don't. Live your life. I'm not here to really tell you what to do, but I I hope that you might share it if you enjoyed it. And next time you're sad, just please throw on your sunglasses, take a walk outside, and remember, stay cool, stay present, stay sunny.